Hey, welcome into Candace Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM, 1025 FMK, QAM. It is a Saturday morning. Welcome into it. Happy Saturday. Happy Easter weekend to you. After a good Friday yesterday with the big celebration coming up tomorrow, hopefully you are enjoying the weekend already. Let's get you up and moving for the day. What do you say? It is open lines to you broadcasting live right here in Wichita, Kansas. Here on the Big Talker KQAM, you can give us a buzz at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. We'd love to hear from you. I have a heck of a show lined up for you today. I know it's a holiday, but yet there's a lot of stuff going on, isn't there? Both nationwide and here in the state of Kansas, and we're going to talk about as much of it as we possibly can over the next two hours. So buckle in, strap in, have your sip of coffee, and let's get this ball rolling. What do you say? All of it right here. On Candace Talk, presented by Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue. For all your buying, selling, and trading, your gold and silver with honesty and integrity. It's Phil's Coins. They're open at 930 in about a half hour from now until about 2.30 this afternoon. Also online at philscoins.com. Make sure to go and check them out. Coming up on the program today, I'm really excited. Peggy Mast, she's with Understanding the Threat. You can find them online, understandingthethreat.com. She'll be joining us in about a half hour from now. She's going to be speaking at the Conservative Women of Harvey County event later on on Tuesday this coming up week. So it's going to be a great event. We'll chat with her about what's all going on there and how you can enjoy that uh, presentation. I'm really excited about it. May have to try and show up myself because it's going to be really cool. In the uh, 10 o'clock hour, we're going to have House Majority Leader Dan Hawkins. He'll be joining us to talk about the latest out of uh, Topeka as now they are officially on their recess until later on in April when they go back for their sign and die or their you know veto session or whatever you want to call it, uh, kind of wrapping things up for the year. Can you believe it? The legislative session just about over already so they just have a little bit of time left but they are now out of Topeka and they are headed back home and uh, we'll talk about everything that's happened because there are some major issues and I want to get your thoughts on those in this first half hour because I mean we have the medical marijuana issue that's going through we have uh, I don't I don't know if it's actually going to happen or not but I mean it's gotten more traction this year than it ever has in the state of Kansas so there are a lot of advocates that are very excited about that we have sports betting that they've been discussing we have tax uh, tax issues now they want to cut taxes in income taxes, but now we see a $360, $380 million shortfall in the state. What do we do there? And now we have legal suits from the attorney general against Joe Biden because now the state that received, you know, Candace receiving all this money from COVID-19 relief packages from the federal level, apparently we're not allowed to use that to kind of resupply our budget because there's ties on what we are and are not allowed to do with that money should we have even accepted it in the first place we'll get into that discussion today and get your thoughts on that so there's a lot to get to with dan hawkins house majority leader we'll do that in our number two plus earlier this week we sat down with congressman tracy mann from the big first district on the western part of the state and we'll play that interview wrapping up the show today as well we have vaccinations to get to we have mask mandates we have sb40 that i want to get to all of that coming up on the show today and you can be part of that at 316-721-8255 316-721-TALK. Just to clarify, before we get into some of the other stuff, the big issue, and I know we talk about it a lot, but the mask mandates in the state of Kansas, uh, we need to clarify kind of what the rules are right now and where we're at. I, I have to admit, I love April so far. Absolutely love April. It's my favorite month of the entire year of 2021 so far. Why? Because we started off April 1st with more freedom than we've had in a year, in over a year. We now do not have a mask mandate in the state of Kansas. You can now choose 
whether you want to wear a mask or not. We're not coming to take your mask and tell you you're not allowed to wear a mask. I know that what that's what the other side of the aisle does is when we do it, you have to do it as well or else you're an evil jerk that's just selfish and doesn't care about anybody else. That's really their mindset. We love freedom. I love it. I love capitalism. I love the private sector. I love free enterprise. I like businesses and individuals making choices on their own. Isn't that a grand thing? It's just... It feels so nice. It feels so nice. You can actually choose to do what you want to do now in the state of Kansas. So the mask mandate, the social distancing orders, they all expired on March 31st. Now, last week, Governor Laura Kelly signed SB 40, which was the bill that said that now the legislature has oversights on the governor when they sign executive orders regarding a a declaration of emergency and when we're under an emergency declaration in the state that the governor can do things but the state legislature and the top eight officials now can get together and vote to either accept it or to repeal it and to shoot it down we now have oversight over the governor because we have not had that over the last year and it's been frustrating because we've had a lot of businesses shut their doors We've had a lot of businesses that have been frustrated, that have had capped on what they can bring in as a capacity in their stores, that have had uh, that have been forced to not even allow, be allowed to open their doors. You're a barbershop or a salon, uh-uh, not allowed to do that. You're not essential. And it's been frustrating over the last year, hasn't it? I'm sure a lot of small business in the area can understand me like, yeah, you know what, we've uh, we barely made it through, or maybe we didn't make it through. Coffee shops, they've had to shut doors and like, well, we'll reopen in the spring and hopefully we can open the doors again and have the staff come back. It's been frustrating. But as of April 1st, the mask mandate expired. Now, Governor Laura Kelly tried to sign a new executive order saying that she recommends that this is the default position, that we still do the social distancing, still do the mask mandates in public utility or in public places and in businesses and, you know, on transit and this and that and the other. And she signed that order. Now under SB 40, the legislature came back and said, yeah, you know what? No, we're not going to do that. Because under her order, the counties would by default have to go into that mask mandate policy under that that that's a social distancing policy, and they would just have to go along with it. Uh, now, unless, they, unless the county, by the way, actually voted to override it and opt out of it and chose to do so, but they would have to take that action. But now the state legislature came out and said, no, we overrode that. We don't have to be part of that, so now you don't have to do anything. We have now made that null and void completely irrelevant, so you can choose. And again, this goes back to me loving freedom. A business now has the choice to decide whether they're going to cap their capacity. A business now has the choice to decide whether they're going to make their customers wear masks walking into the store. I love freedom. I love the ability. Now, as a consumer, I get to choose whether I want to go to that store or not. If I walk in and I'm not a mask wearer, which I am not, I don't like wearing masks, and I haven't, I've worn a mask maybe, you know, I can count on one hand this entire year. Granted, I'm in a radio studio by myself for 10 hours a day, so I don't really have a necessary reason to do so. But when I do go out to a store, I do go out to a place, I try to go to places that are a little more lenient on the mask thing because I just don't like to wear them. I don't. They don't do any good. They're completely irrelevant. They don't actually stop anything. They're useless. They said that at the very beginning just a year ago. Now they're trying to tell you to wear three masks and get a vaccine, which I want to get into the vaccination discussion a little bit later as well. But now I get to choose. It's not just across the board the government's telling us we have to. Now... The business is saying it. So if I walk into a business and they say, sir, you need to wear a mask in order to be here. All right, fine. You know what? I'll see you later and I'll go support your 
competitor who doesn't make me wear a mask. Or if you like to wear a mask and you feel more comfortable in places that make people wear masks when they walk in the door, then that's the store for you. Now we have options. Now we have freedom. That's the beauty of the private market, isn't it? Now we don't have to worry about bickering of, you know, oh, the, the, the government's intruding upon our lives on a daily basis. Oh, the government's telling us what we have to do. And, oh, we either like it or, oh, you're just selfish and you don't like it or whatever. Now we get to have the choice. If you don't like to shop at a place, then don't shop at a place. Now I strongly encourage that local business around here not try to impose it on their local level. They can, but I encourage them not to do so because, to me, that would be a marginalization of their consumer. And if they want all of the customers to come back and try and, you know, kind of rebound after what happened over the last year, I would keep it as open and free as possible for people to make their own choice whether they want to come into their shop with a mask or not. But telling them that they either need to or they need to get out, then that's going to be a tough choice. I have to admit there have been a lot of businesses that have really adapted on their own as well and kind of done their own manipulation on things. And I have to admit, I don't like it. Mrs. Voice of Reason and I were at a restaurant about a week. Was it a week ago? Two weeks ago? I don't remember. We were out at a restaurant. I don't know if I wanted to say the name of it as well. It's a national chain, but we were out at a restaurant and we sat down and it bothered me because number one, they made you wear the mask when you walked in, which I kind of grumbled about, but I literally put it on. Then we sat at the booth and then I took it off, which is really stupid. So I did that. So then we walked in and they gave us a menu, but it wasn't really a menu. It was one sheet and said, here's the specials that we have today. If you want the full menu, you need to download the QR code and then bring up that QR bar and bring it up on your phone for an actual full menu. And I was thinking, what what the heck? Now, I don't do QR code. I don't know what that is. I've never used that in my entire life. I don't have an app on my phone to read those QR codes. Is that what it's called, the little QR code? I've never used it. Never done it. And I was really frustrated because I guess they made that decision during the pandemic so that way they didn't have transferable things where people could touch it and put their germs on it and then take it to the next person or have it at the table for the next people to be able to sit down at the table. And it was their way of trying to, you know, save some costs from printing new menus all the time, but at the same time also trying to stop the transferable things that are at the table from one customer to another. And it was very frustrating to me because I did not like the fact that I had to download an app to punch in the thing to get the QR code to look at the menu online. That's stupid. 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 Now that we are past the pandemic, start printing menus again, please. That's my that's just my little beef. But now we have the option. I've made the decision now consciously that I will not go back to that restaurant any longer because I think that's a very bad way to run a business. And I don't like wearing the mask when I walk in just to sit down and take it off. And I really don't like having to download an app to be able to look at the QR code to look at the menu. I want to sit down and I want the menu in front of me so I can look at it on paper and I can see what I want and then tell the waitress what I'd actually like to order if I choose to go out there. So now I have the choice to decide on where and where or not I want to go. I love freedom. Love it. I'm telling you, Easter weekend, this is the great way to start off April because now we don't have the mask mandates. We don't have the social distancing. Now we have the choice to make our own decisions in the state of Kansas and we can actually support the businesses that are in line with us. If they're very scared and they want to do the mask, then fine. People that like the mask can go there. If other businesses don't want to enforce that, then you know what? Personally for me, that's where I'm going to go and support. 
and I love it. 316, do you agree, disagree? I just, I love the idea of freedom, and we can make our own choices because now we have that choice, and we haven't had that in a while. Now churches allowing people to come back into their services for, con uh, their congregations come in for service this weekend for Easter weekend. We can do that again. People are very excited about that. Freedom choice. If you still want to do the live stream, all the power to you. If you want to go in and actually support, then all the power to you. I love the ability for us to make our choice because we haven't had that for oh so long. 316-721-8255. talk Do you agree? Disagree? As we start to move forward and begin to open up it, is it too soon? They said that now they're a little concerned because now without that, we've gone from a 2.8% positivity rate in, in Sedgwick County up to a 3.1%. we have jumped by 3.3% uh, in the county. Yeah, I know, I know. Now, the funny part about that is, is that you they told us way back when, if you remember all the way back when at the beginning of this pandemic, they told us that when we make a decision, we had to have a 14-day period in order for us to see the results from that decision. They literally came out with that a day after, and they're like, oh, my gosh, look, people are already starting to get relaxed, and we're seeing the COVID-19 cases go up. <laughs> a day after. One day. Even though they said that we need to wait 14 days to be able to see after a decision is made what we actually do from there on out. Weird time. Let's go to the phone, shall we? Let's get to your thoughts on this, shall we? Line number one. Good morning. Who's this? Uh, this is Frederick. Frederick, good morning, sir. How are you? I'm fine. Andy, you're going to like this. Um <clears throat> My wife and I, we went out to Goddard, Kansas, and there was a large discount store out there, very large. And uh, when we went in, uh, we put on our mask, and she went her way, I went my way, and I, want, I, I went and I saw the mask displays as I was walking along, and I noticed that they had $8 mask on sale for uh, 75 cents. <laughs> and I thought, oh, that sign's wrong, you know. And then I circled around, and I kept noticing that the masks were uh, 10 cents on the dollar. And so then I walked a little further, and I was noticing that people weren't wearing their masks. And I thought, this is strange. And so I walked up, and I talked to one of the employees, and I said, uh, what is your mask mandate? And, and what I was told was that that large discount store was that, well, uh, the county said we do not have to wear masks anymore, so the management said that uh, – only the employees have to wear masks, and if a customer wears them, doesn't wear a mask, that's just fine. Uh, let them have their freedom. So, Andy, it started already. It started. And it's wonderful. Yeah. And it's great. And I think we've overproduced masks now that they're 10 cents on the dollar, aren't they? It's funny oh, now that we're thinking are. starting to open up. No one wants to wear the mask anymore. And, oh, by the way, the vaccinations, too. Now, uh, the county is concerned that we're only going to get about 50% of the Sedgwick County population vaccinated because no one else wants to get the vaccination. There are now appointments just sitting there and vaccinations just sitting there because no one else is actually going in and getting their appointments scheduled. So now they're starting to freak out. But now that we're starting to open up, I think people are burnt out on this. They don't want to wear the mask and they don't want to get the vaccine. I do not want to wear my mask in a, uh, at all. You know what? Uh, because of my age, and because of my wife's age, we went out and had our vaccinations because that's the wise thing to do because of our age group. But uh, some younger people, that, that's well, that's different. But, uh, Andy, it's beginning to open up. Yeah. Your, your, well, your thoughts are beginning to really take root. And, uh, hey, you never know what, uh, what another month is going to bring. But, it feels uh, good, we doesn't have it? Very wise, yes. Now, there's only about one or two county commissioners that uh, are really into the mask. And uh, our mayor, oh, my God, <clears throat> you know. Well, that's you know, another story he there. Have to swear, 
That's another story. Yeah, he's wearing space helmets. <laughs> that's the thing. I mean, he's desperate to try and find a way to put a new mask mandate in within within the city uh, city limits. But the part the problem is though is that he's not going to be able to because it's not enforceable. No law enforcement's going to enforce it, and he just wants to say that he has some form of control over this. So he can try, but it's not going to go anywhere. And and people are burned out. He's he's losing his popularity. I think across the board. Just my humble. I, I mean, I never had support for him in the first place, but I think he's losing a lot of support because he's still just desperate to cling on to that little bit of control and authority that he had. But anyway, Andy, uh, go out to Goddard, go to that very large discount store there, and just enjoy your freedom. (laughs) I love it. Frederick, it's good to talk to you, my friend. Happy Easter to you guys, to you and the family, and uh, thanks for calling it. You're absolutely right. Things are starting to happen. We're starting to open up, and it feels so good. Freedom, baby! Yes, I've been seeing comments on social media like, what freedoms were taken away? The freedom for me to choose. The freedom for me to choose that I want to get a vaccine or not get a vaccine, that I want to wear a mask or not wear a mask, that I want to go to a certain store or not go to a certain store, that I want to be able to enjoy at a retail store or a restaurant or a bar or a nightclub or something, and I want to choose to go there and how I would like to go there. That is freedom, and that's what we have had taken away from us from the last year, and we're starting to realize that most people are just done with this pandemic. Love to get your thoughts on it, 316-721-8255. 316721 talk. We'll take a break. We got lots to get to here on Candace Talk this Saturday for Easter weekend, right here on the Big Talker KQAM. Seven minutes past the hour. Welcome back into Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, KQAM. Hopefully you're having a wonderful kickoff to your Easter weekend. We're excited. Got a lot of plans. Got a lot of things going on. So it's great to have you for the ride today. I'd love to hear from you at 316-721-8255. I don't just want to talk about politics today. I know it's an Easter weekend and politics kind of a divisive thing. You know, talking politics, getting people all riled up. So I don't fully want to focus on politics today. I do want to hear what kind of plans you have for Easter weekend. And the big question, are you getting back to normalcy this weekend with things beginning to open up with no mask mandates, with no social distancing? Are you going to see the entire family that you haven't maybe seen in a while because of the pandemic? Are you planning on doing the big Easter feast with everybody? Are you planning on going back into the pews at your church for congregation for your Easter Sunday services? Are you planning on doing that now that the pandemic is not necessarily over because it's never really going to be over? Look, it's a virus. It's airborne. It's going to be everywhere for a long time. We can't just say we're going to hibernate in our house for the rest of our life until it goes away because it never will. It never will. So are you getting back to normalcy this weekend? Are you? Is this really the, the kickoff weekend for you to start doing things normally again? Or did you stop not stop doing normal things over the last year because you just didn't care? Or are you waiting yet because you just don't think it's quite yet ready the time? Do you want more people to get vaccinated? Do you want more people to get the immunity? Do you want the herd immunity to actually happen? I'd love to get your thoughts on that. I'd love to get your feelings on what your plans are for the weekend as well. When we come back, got to take a bottom of the hour break. Peggy Mast understandingthethreat.com. She'll be with us. She'll be speaking at the Conservative Women of Harvey County on Tuesday this coming week. It's going to be a really great conversation. We'll be talking with her when we come back to talk about kind of her presentation, the history of American culture, and where we go from here across the nation. So excited about that. Make sure to stay tuned in all for the next hour and a half, plus all day long here on KQAM. It's Candace Talk right here on The Big Talker. KQAM, stay here.
listening to Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Darn right you are. Welcome back in to Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM and 1025 FM KQAM. Great to have you today on a Saturday on an Easter weekend. Let's get your weekend up and moving. What do you say? Mrs. Voice of Reason getting all ready for the big feast. That's exciting. So uh, hopefully you are as well getting back to normalcy a little bit, a little bit during this COVID-19 pandemic. But I love the freedom. I think the segment that we used to have on the show. Kansas held hostage. Yeah, that one's pretty much done now, at least in that aspect. We have some other issues we need to address uh, absolutely here in the state. But nonetheless, we're moving in the right direction with trying to limit the governor's powers. Because if it were up to Governor Kelly, if it were up to Mayor Brandon Whipple in the city of Wichita, we'd still have mask mandates. Like half the businesses would still be shut down and it would just be a devastating thing for everybody. So we get to enjoy again. I think April is starting off to be the best month that we've seen in almost an entire year. Welcome in 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK. We'll talk some legislative updates in hour number two with House Majority Leader Dan Hawkins. He'll be joining us uh, coming up in about 30 minutes from now. Plus, we'll play our interview with Congressman Tracy Mann out of the big first district at the bottom of next hour as well, wrapping up the show. But right now... I'm excited to have our next guest on the program. She is with Understanding the Threat. You can visit them online, understandingthethreat.com. She's going to be speaking at the Conservative Women of Harvey County on Tuesday this coming week, and it's a, a an event that you're not going to want to miss. You're going to want to go up there and check this out if you have the opportunity because there's going to be a plethora of information. She is the Director of Outreach for Understanding the Threat. Excited to have on the program Peggy Mast with us. Peggy, how are you, my friend? Pretty good. I know what station I'm going to listen to the rest of the day. Sounds like you got a great lineup today. Oh, we got we got great stuff. Uh, we always love uh, trying to bring some entertainment and information. So we appreciate you tuning in. Yeah, it's it's great, and it's great yeah. to have you on the show. I appreciate that very much. I'm excited Thanks. about your event on Tuesday. There's going to be some really good information here. So am I. I um, I first got involved in this by meeting two guys. One was still active in the FBI. The other one was still active in Department of Defense. And when uh, we got a particular president in office, they realized that they couldn't work in Washington, D.C. anymore and really be honest about what was happening in our country. And uh, I met them at a David Barton conference, and I was convicted that I had taken an oath to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. Wow. Yeah. And that is a promise that everyone that runs for office or serves in the military or law enforcement, they all make that. And yet, how many of them are taking that too lightly now? Uh, so every every elected position, I think, even uh, down to the local county level. So um, that's how I got involved, and I have never turned back from that because it's a passion that drives me because the threat against America is mounting all the time. It is. It's a big threat that's never-ending, and it comes in different ways. It comes at different angles. They try to attack in every shape and way possible, and we always need to be on the defense. It seems like whenever we stop fighting, we always take a step or two back, and then we have to regain that traction because it's a never-ending battle. Oh, you're absolutely right. There should be no rest for us because <laughs> the wicked don't seem to be resting at all. And if we want to maintain our freedom, and that's the reason I really want to get people informed at this meeting, because I want them to understand that it is time for us to engage, not just go to a meeting and listen and learn, but to actually 
start putting our feet and our hands and our mouth to work. Yeah, So absolutely. Well, I love it. Well, give us a little tease of what you're going to speak about coming up this week, because, uh, I mean, just talking to you briefly and hearing about just the understanding of historical knowledge and where we're at right now and how to kind of, you know, to form our, I guess, our battle lines or to be able to form our ideas moving forward. I mean, is such an important thing because right now we've talked about it on, on the national broadcast during the week about the great reset that we're going into right now. Are we going towards the road of progressivism, centralized government, you know, universal basic income and universal health care and all this other garbage? Or are we going to continue to fight for what Donald Trump had tried to do for the last couple of years of trying to go back to America first and localized politics and the local level having control again? What direction are we going to go? We're kind of at that fork in the road right now. Well, I think when we look at what's happening in Washington, D.C., there is no doubt that we are headed toward, you can call it progressivism, you can call it socialism, or you can call it communism. And uh, what I'm going to cover is at first, you know, every every culture should have knowledge of their history. Yeah. For instance, Germany makes sure that every child is taught about the Holocaust, so it will never repeat itself in Germany again. Wow. Uh, we are we're losing our history, and it's being torn down by groups like Antifa and Black Lives Matter. But the reality is, how many of us even remember? Because our kids are not getting it in school anymore. How many of us remember what we learned about history at a time when there was patriotism that was actually taught in our school? Sure. So we're going to start with that and um, the fact that our founding fathers sacrificed a great deal. I mean, and they pledged their lives, their fortune, and their sacred honor in order to give us a unique freedom that is based on moral law and um, liberty. Mm-hmm. And that had that was really an anomaly. And so then we go into Alexis de Tocqueville a little bit, some of his quotes. We talk about the difference between a democracy and a republic because we hear it's a democracy all the time. You know, very rarely do you hear someone call it a republic. And many of our founding fathers disdained democracy. And so I'll explain that and then um, go I'm into so the implications. I'm so glad you mentioned that. I mean, just hearing even politicians in Washington, D.C., Donald Trump's a threat to our democracy. And it just makes me cringe when I hear that. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah. And so then we go into the infiltration of communism in the United States that started in 1929 or 1919 to 1929 and how the communists in Russia actually sent people over to infiltrate into the highest level of our government. We're going to expose a little bit of that, you know, some spies that were actually outed, um, the Un-American Committee, and how Ronald Reagan got his start in his lifelong fight against communism. We're going to have some quotes from some dictators and and other presidents and, and party leaders and cover rules for radicals, which, you know, is something that that's a primer that is being used now, even on our college campuses to teach community organizing and how to engage the the powers that be in the United States to take down capitalism and replace it with their preferred form of government. This is actually, I mean, it's that bad. And then we're going to talk about even some of the curriculum that is being taught in our school system that uh, is destroying our children's minds or our children's love for God and country, we uh, 
we're going to talk about um, George Floyd a little bit, but more more the reaction to George Floyd's death and what really happened. Um, I actually had heard, I don't know, I was down in Dallas with um, the people that were on my team, and uh, I was informed that from from the, my boss who communicates with Intel all over the nation, that everyone was organized. They were just waiting for a flashpoint to start their rebellion, yeah. and George Floyd was it. So within 48 hours, there were posters of George Floyd with his, you know, with his face on the poster, professionally made and passed out to thousands of people. Not only did it affect America, but it also affected the, they, they did it in Europe too. So it was like the COVID virus, you know, it spread rapidly. One individual's death meant a, an opportunity to start a revolution. It's wild how they used that, uh, as you mentioned, I mean, just a day, two days after it was done. I mean, they, they were professional protesters. Everything was ready to go because they were looking for that spark. And I, I don't think the COVID pandemic helped at all because we were already kind of feeling cooped up and a little restrained anyways. And that was their excuse to be able to get out, which, by the way, those protests didn't spread the virus in any way, shape or form <laughs> no, at all, no. which I found kind of ironic. Let's go back to what you mentioned Absolutely. kind of earlier and uh, some of the philosophers, Alexis de Tocqueville, I am a big fan and I've I've used some of his quotes, not necessarily quote by quote, but I've used some of his ideas on the show prior talking about just the greatness and how he explained the greatness of America, the greatness of the free enterprise system, how there was no other society in, a, in U.S. history or in, or in world history where we were able to create our own wealth under a capitalist free market system and how he was going down the river. And he looked to the north and he saw industrialization and he saw growth and he saw things booming and he saw things doing well. And he looked to the south and he saw the slavery and he saw what other societies had done in the past with trying to use slave labor or use, you know, some type of labor that wasn't necessarily theirs to try and make their growth. And it was stagnant and it was stale and it was suffering and it was failing. And just how he was trying to describe the two worlds that was America at that time, it was very interesting to me. Yeah, I would say, you know, when you were describing that, I was t thinking about the comparison between South Korea and North Korea. Mm. Same type of land, same type of people. One of them prospers, and one of them, people are starving to death. Yeah, The difference is exactly what the ideology of the leaders are and yeah. how much they value life. That's absolutely true. Let's go ahead and take a break here real quick. We're talking with Peggy Mass, Understanding the Threat. You can find them online, understandingthethreat.com. Also a former uh, House Representatives a member here in the state of Kansas. When we come back, I want to talk about some more of what you're going to be talking about here. I want to talk about, as you mentioned, the rise of communism, this idea, how it infiltrated American politics, and how much of a threat it is actually today because it's grown so devastating. We'll do all that and more. Plus, I want to get your phone calls at 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. It's Kansas Talk right here on The Big Talker, KQAM. Just about 12 minutes to the top of the hour, wrapping up hour number one here of Kansas Talk right here on The Big Talker, KQAM. Thanks for joining us here on a Easter holiday. I know that you're in holiday mode. Maybe you're traveling to family and friends. If so, safe travels and <laughs> enjoy actually getting together with family and friends again after the last year. If you are staying home, then stay safe and have fun as well and do whatever you do, man, because that's what we're all 
about. Welcome in. I don't know if you've heard, by the way, as well, if you listen to the station throughout the week as well, but we have changed a little bit of the programming here on KQAM and my show, The Voice of Reason, national broadcast on six radio stations now. A couple more about ready to come on, so we'll announce those a little bit later as well. We are excited. Uh, and that show has been moved. We were airing it at 8 p.m. at night. Now we are live in the afternoon at 4 p.m., and you can always tune in right here on KQAM to be able to hear that as our flagship radio station growing by leaps and bounds all over the place. We broke another record for our podcast downloads for the month of March, so thank you for that. Every single month since uh, since September of last year, August of, August of last year, we have broken a new record for the amount of monthly downloads for the show on, on the podcast every single month. And last month was no different. We we broke it again. So thank you for that. We appreciate it very much. We love you guys to death. I love being back here in Wichita. Love having our flagship of KQAM, and we're growing by leaps and bounds. And uh, that's uh, but that's why we like to do this show is because that show is more the national broadcast on national topical issues. This one focusing here in the state of Kansas and local topical issues. So that way we get the best of both worlds. Right now we're talking with Peggy Mast. She's with out uh, understanding the threat. She'll be speaking at the. Harvey County, Conservative Women of Harvey County, that event going on on Tuesday afternoon. You can go and check that out. And you definitely want to, if you like history, if you like learning about kind of cultural changes in America, if you want to learn about the threats of America, this is the way to do it. Make sure to go and check out this speech. Highly recommend it. Peggy, you had mentioned the the infiltration of communism here in the country. And I'm sure that the progressive mindset, the centralized government mindset has been in the country since the founding of it, when we've had the the Federalists, the Anti-Federalists, how we want to form this nation. We started off with the Articles Confederation, moved to the Constitution. But the big push, the really big, I guess, transformation, and uh, Barack Obama wanted to fundamentally transform America. When did that actually start happening? When we said, you know what, the states, yeah, they have some rights, but at the same time, they don't really have a lot of rights. We need to centralize everything at the federal government. We need to start uh, making economic decisions and economic growth based on investments, quote unquote, by the federal government. When did that movement really start taking off in the country? Well, I, that's that's a very good point, because in 1963, in congressional record, there was a congressperson who insisted that the 45 goals of the Communist Party be entered in. You know, in, in other words, to fundamentally change America. In the '60s, people were pretty, pretty um, aware of it, maybe because of Cuba and Russia, Russia being our greatest enemy at the time. And then after, after that time, well, after they started having an un-American committee to have hearings on communism, and they actually. <laughs> had a trial on 10 individuals that were involved, uh, very active in a communist party and doing a lot of damage in Hollywood. Nine of them fled, one of them fled the country and then nine of them went to prison. But all of a sudden there was this uproar about McCarthyism and which, you know, and they made sure that the Un-American Committee left. And since then, if you say communism, it sounds so outrageous that you're automatically a conspiracy theorist. But uh, the reality is they say who they are. And Yuri Brezmanov was a KGB agent that defected from Russia. And there's several, there's volumes on this guy and him telling us what they do. And he was involved in it, how they take a country down without firing a shot. And uh, he said there's four things that they do. Demoralize, remove morality. Do you see that? destabilize, 
make people unsure what the truth is. I mean, do we know how dangerous, you know, you know, mixed messages and then create a crisis and then they bring the new normal in. So I think it's important that people know that that's the plan and they are enacting it right before our eyes. They are. I mean, that's been an action over the last year for sure. Very blatant, very evident, and people just kind of go along with it, which troubles me. But you're right. I mean, there's there's been a war on words. There's been a war on definitions. There's been a mm-hmm. war on the understanding because, I mean, I'm 32. I'm a millennial. I make fun of my generation every day because I apologize for my generation every day because of some of the ridiculousness that they do. But, I mean, I get in debates with individuals that are like, well, socialism's not bad. Stop demonizing it. Stop trying to, you know, call me a socialist and make it a a derogatory term because it's not. Because by definition from Wikipedia, it says that it just means the means and distribution of the economy is done by the people. And they've literally changed the definition in dictionaries to show that it's this nice fluffy thing where the people have control, the means of distribution in a society, as opposed to like, you know, Merriam-Webster dictionary, the actual definitions before when it used to say that it was done by the government and how it's not a good thing and how it's centralized power and how it's a very bad thing. We've literally changed the definitions to soften people's understanding so that way they just kind of blindly go along with it. Yeah, now we have people that are getting involved. I mean, we're having uh, professional ball teams become just political machines. Yeah. And, you know, companies like Coca-Cola, who were upset because they addressed voter fraud in Georgia. Georgia was one of the targeted states for voter fraud, and there was a lot of voter fraud there. Well, apparently I'm too white to drink Coca-Cola now, so there's that. (laughs) Yeah, and I hope that everybody that's listening, if they have any Coke, clean it out. And just, I mean, we should be hurting Coke because Coke is bent on hurting us. It's weird how, you know, musicians and, as you mentioned, sporting events now in companies, it's now partisan for you to go and support either a sporting event or to go and support a company or go buy a product. We never used to do that. I mean, there are some bands that I enjoy that are just like, you know what, I'm not going to get involved in the debate because guess what? I have Republicans and Democrats that listen to my music. I have, There's companies yeah. that are like, I have Republicans that listen, and, and Democrats that both buy tires or buy, you know, products, we're not going to divide ourselves. But now in a world, there are so many that they take a stand and now it's either we boycott them and we hate them or we need to support them. And it's a weird world. It's a world world. And the intimidation factor is so great. Uh, I think, for instance, I mean, I have a burden that in our early founding, we had pastors, uh, the Black Robe Regiment, who would preach fire and brimstone behind the pulpit take off their robe, pick up the musket, and go fight for freedom. There were several of them that were involved in the Constitutional Convention. But today we have pastors that say exactly what you said. They don't want to split their church. They don't want to become a target. They don't want to poke the bear. And um, it's a tragedy because that's a big problem in America that people don't know exactly where we are and— how are they going to cope with it, you know, as it, as it advances? Uh, one thing, for instance, that they really don't, they ban from um, our media is the individual that shot 10 people in a grocery store in Colorado. Yeah. Did you know he was Muslim? Did you know he was saying Allah Akbar when he walked in? What about the guy that just drove, I'll tried to drive into the Capitol yesterday and killed a law enforcement officer? Yeah. Member of... Um, He's a member of an Islamic group 
And, you know, it's interesting because the first one in Colorado chose Passover yeah. to attack and kill. But you don't this hear that in the news. In fact, the news, media, the, the news media outlets at first said that it was a white guy in there with the guns and how it's the white Christian clinging to his guns and Bibles that are doing these things. And then come to find out when we realize differently, then they completely drop the story and we just move on. Now it's all about Congressman, you know, Matt Gates out of Florida with his, yeah. you know, uh, hookers or whatever. Anyway, Peggy Mass, we're but out of time, my friend. Nothing about Joe Biden. Nothing <laughs> about Joe Biden. No, we're out of time, Peggy. I appreciate it. We love you. We got to get you back on the show. We'd love to do this again for maybe a full hour or something because it's great information. Love you too. I appreciate it very much. Uh, hour number two, lots more to get to here on Candace Talk. Goes by way too fast. Stay here. This is Kansas Talk with Andy Hoosier on the Big Talker KQAM. Welcome back into Kansas Talk. It's our number two of Kansas Talk right here on the Big Talker, 1480 AM and 102.5 FM KQAM. Happy Easter weekend to you. We had Good Friday yesterday. We have Easter Sunday tomorrow. You are getting back into the swing of things, and we appreciate you hanging out with us here on your holiday weekend as well. Welcome in. 316-721-8255. 316-721-TALK. All presented by Phil's Coins. 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading your gold and silver with honesty and integrity. They're open right now until 2.30 this afternoon. Also online at philscoins.com. Make sure to go and check them out. We talk to Phil Martinez about once a month to get the latest and greatest on the uh, gold and silver markets. Craziness with how those markets look. And uh, it's been a buying session for sure. Everybody not sure what the economy is going to do and wanting to stock up on as much as possible. So make sure to go and check. He's about one of the only guys in the region, not just the state, the region, that still has silver available. And he's got orders like two months out right now because it's so hard to actually get. So if you're trying to get silver, now's the time to do it. Phil's Coins, 9344 West Central Avenue, also online at philscoins.com. Real quick, thanks again to Peggy Mass to coming on the program in the last half hour. That was awesome. I love chatting about that kind of stuff. It's really fascinating. She is with Understanding the Threat. You can find them online, understandingthethreat.com. If you want to hear more with her presentation, she's going to be speaking at the Conservative Women of Harvey County on Tuesday this coming week, April 6th. It's going to be from 6 to 9 p.m. at the Wild Prairie in Newton. And you can go and check that out, and I'm sure she'd love to see you, but it's going to be about a three-hour condensed training period of understanding the threat, and she's going to be hosting that and showing a lot of really good information, so make sure you go and check that out. On Tuesday at the Wild Prairie in Newton from 6 to 9 p.m., you can also find more information about her at understandingthethreat.com. At the bottom of this hour, wrapping up the program, we sat down with Congressman Tracy Mann from the Big First District earlier this week, and we'll play that interview to talk about what's going on in D.C., some of the stuff with gun rights right now, with ag trade and with all that, with the COVID-19 relief bills, with immigration. There's a lot to get to, and we'll chat with him on that interview at the bottom of this hour, wrapping it up. But until then, I'm excited to have on the program as we are now in recess with the state legislative session. It went by way too fast this year, and there's a lot of bills that kind of got rammed through with a K. I, I like to call it the circus of the last two days beforehand, before they go back in later on this month. But we're excited to have on the program to kind of give us a recap of all of this with House Majority Leader from District Number 100 here in the Wichita area, Mr. Dan Hawkins. Dan, how are you, my friend? Hey, Andy, doing great. Uh, I love listening to your last segment. Uh, Mass uh, was the uh, Speaker Pro Tim, my first four years. That's Great awesome. lady. You are, you are 
to have her on. Uh, that was a good uh, interview he, you had with her. It's a great discussion. She knows her stuff, and it, I'm really looking forward to it. I may have to try and make it out to that presentation on Tuesday because there's a lot of information she's got, and I want to hear all that stuff. That's good. I guarantee you won't you won't be disappointed. She uh, she always puts on a good presentation, so you'll love it. Good stuff. Uh, we do uh, we do go back in uh, next uh, this next week. Uh, we've got four days coming up of what we call a conference committee report, but you're right. That last two days uh, was a uh, was a whirlwind. It was long days, and we did some uh, did some pretty good things. It was some some fun stuff went on. Things that happen during debate sometimes you just can't uh, expect or you can't predict, and um, and we certainly had some fun times up there. It was. I mean, I saw so many stories about you're, you're working on this and you're working on this and get, this got through committee and this went to one chamber to the other. And it, I mean, it was just flying right through. The big one, though, that really started off was last week, uh, the governor signed SB 40, allowing you guys, uh, an eight member committee from the legislature to oversee some of her executive orders during the pandemic and during times of emergency, which came into play right off the bat. The mask mandates, the social distancing, the order that she had in effect ended on Wednesday on the 31st. By Thursday, Friday, she signed her new order wanting to encourage counties to continue said things. And right away, having that power, you guys jumped in and was able to end that. I love the month of April, Dan. Like, this is that I can enjoy freedom again. I can choose to go to a store with or without a mask. The business itself can choose to either implement or enforce mask mandates or social distancing or not. We have freedom and we have choices again. This is a beautiful way to start off April. Yes, it is, and actually, some of the backstory to that—the uh, day that we we passed, uh, or, or actually, I shouldn't say we passed because we passed it earlier, and the Senate passed it, went to the governor. The governor signed the bill, and immediately, uh, it was, I believe it was a Thursday, if I remember correctly, and it was 4:45. She signs it, comes out with her her uh, press release and basically says we're going to come back out with another mass mandate. Interestingly enough, about 30 minutes later, about 5.15 that day, I was leaving the Capitol. And um, as I was leaving, going out the uh, exit, here comes one of her policy people. Um, and, and, and I met him kind of right in the middle of the hallway. And I said, so, you getting ready to uh, show down? And, and he made it sound like he didn't know what I was talking about. And he says, what do you mean? I said, you know, the governor coming out with another mass mandate? You don't think there's going to be a shutdown on that? I said, get ready. It's coming. Um, Senate Bill 40 uh, did some great things, but one of the best things it did was it gave us the opportunity that if we're in session, the legislature can review and revoke her executive orders having to do with, with emergency disaster, specifically about um, emergency disasters. And if they're not, uh, then, then the LCC, the Legislative Coordinating Council, it falls upon them to review within 24 hours. And if they decide to do something, they can do it. Well, with knowing what she was going to do, we pulled up a, a House resolution, 6015, and allowed uh, our members to vote to tell us what to do when we're out of session. And uh, the vote was uh, big. It was uh, 81 uh, no, it's 84 in favor for 6015, 39, which is a pretty good mandate for the LCC to revoke that. Um, on uh, April Fool's Day, uh, of course, she comes out with uh, with her new mandates, and by 1.30 that afternoon, 
came together as an LCC and revoked it. Wow. Uh, so Senate Bill 40 is doing exactly what it's supposed to do. It gives us the opportunity now to say no to these things. And quite frankly, Andy, my 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 email fills up every day, every single day, um, about mass mandates and the mandates that uh, she has put out. So. Um, we listened to our constituents, and uh, we operated accordingly, and, and I think it was a good thing how it turned out. It was a good thing how it turned out. And again, as we mentioned, I mean, now we can choose. If you still want to wear the mask, then you have the choice to wear the mask. If a business Absolutely. wants to enforce it at their business level, they have the prerogative. You know, just like no shoes, no shirt, no service sort of thing. They can sure. say, you know, you need to wear a mask when you come in. But that's the choice. That's the freedom. That's the ability for us to choose on how we want to approach this as opposed to just the government saying this is what you must do or we'll punish you and take your business license away or you'll you know get fined or something ridiculous like that. I love this idea because this is the way it should have been the whole year. Yeah, it, it, you know, one size fits all doesn't work in Kansas because you have on the eastern side of the state, we have, we have urban areas on the western side of the state. It, it's rural. Um, you know, what fits in one place doesn't fit in another. It gives the, the, the local control, it gives it to, to local control of the counties, the school districts, the local school districts, to decide what they're going to do in, in their areas. So, you know, the best government always comes from your local government. Um, once you get to the state level and you're making, you, you need to, if you're going to do something, you need to do something that's good for the whole state and not just uh, for part of the state. And, and when you do a mandate, it's a bad thing because what fits in one area does not fit in another area. Yeah. Hey, man, we're talking with Dan Hawkins, House Majority Leader for the state of Kansas District, District Number 100. Let's do a rapid fire on a couple other pieces of legislation you guys kind of yeah. worked on this last week, which I thought was, I mean, it made the news. Everybody, you know, was focusing on those uh, sports betting here in the state. Uh, talk about that, Bill. From my understanding, it was you could do sports betting at certain places where you get the Kansas lottery and then at certain casinos, yeah. but you couldn't do certain things online. Talk about the bill. What were the positives, the cons, and where is it right now? Well, uh, the, the the bill I thought from, from our standpoint was a good, was a very good bill. It's, it's different than the Senate. You know, the Senate's bill basically put everything into the, the, uh, the casinos hands. The casinos controlled it all. We wanted more control, uh, with the with the lottery to where the lottery uh, retailers could sell in bet or in game bets uh, in game tickets, uh, so you know one one team winning over another team, not all of those other types of bets that they have. So it would be the really the the simplest of uh, of tickets to sell. Uh, so it would give 1,200 lottery 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 retailers the ability to sell those. Um, so the casinos really hated that. They want to have firm control of everything. And uh, then in addition, one of the things that, that brought some ear uh, from people was allowing Sedgwick County to have a revote on having uh, you know, slot machines here in Sedgwick County. The interesting thing about that is, is we have them already. Uh, the Wyandotte Tribe has opened up a casino up at 77th Street and I-135. I, uh, uh, so there is gaming here in Sedgwick County now. The only thing about that is, is, is the state and the county gets no revenue off of that. Uh, they keep all the revenue. Uh, so I thought it was a good thing to have that revote. Uh, there was some additional things in there that, that caused a little bit of consternation, and ultimately it just 
it just failed. It, it failed miserably. I think we got uh, 44 votes for, 70 votes against. Um, you know, the governor wanted eye lottery. Uh, we didn't want that. Eye lottery basically makes a, a, a an app on your phone that makes it look like um, uh, slot machines on your phone. That you could actually do pretty much any type of gaming on your phone. That wasn't something that we really wanted to go into yet. And so we had taken that out. I think that lost us some votes. Uh, then we had we had a situation where the the Democrats brought an amendment uh, to to stop any type of dog racing period. Didn't matter whether there's betting on it or not. They wanted to stop dog racing period in the state of Kansas. Well, in most of the state, that's probably not a big deal. But in Dickinson County, we have lots and lots of of um, uh, dog farms where they raise the dogs, they train them. Uh, for racing, and they have two two times a year where they do racing, and they don't they don't actually have paramutual racing where they're betting on it, but but people come in and buy and sell dogs at those races uh, for their you know for their you know team of dogs that they're going to have out there racing, and if we had if that amendment would have went on, it would have stopped all that, which is not a good deal. It would have basically taken all those people out of business, and so that failed. So uh, quite a few Democrats dropped off. Uh, because of that, and and so, you know, the the sports wagering with the with the the, the casinos against that bill, and, and then some other people uh, and problems with certain parts of it, it just got weighted down, and it just uh, it failed. It failed miserably. So, unless the uh, casinos want to come back to the table and do some negotiating, I don't see that um, that coming back up this year. And and quite frankly, with their strong-handedness, I don't anticipate that anybody really wants to uh, conference on it this year. So uh, I would say that's probably dead. Yeah, that's really interesting. It's it's interesting to see the discussion on how this has kind of transgressed. So I'm sure it'll come back up again next year as we continue that conversation. we got just about a minute before we need to take a break, but let's touch on the marijuana side because this is about the farthest yeah. that a marijuana bill has actually gone in the state legislature here in Kansas. As uh, we talked about medical marijuana, and some of the litigation that goes on with that. So, where is that bill, and will that get through this year? Well, you gotta you gotta kind of imagine that something uh, of that type of issue, kind of like the sports wagering, is a very contentious issue. Uh, there are people on all different sides of that. Uh, it did come out of committee, and it, and it was it was a very close vote. Matter of fact, it came out of committee with one extra vote. Wow. Um, there were a lot of people that did not like. Uh, the process of how it came out was really kind of down to the end, at, at the very end of a time to be able to get something out of committee. And and so, admittedly, it was rushed out of committee just simply because there was no more time. Uh, a lot of people wanted to bring more uh, amendments, but there was no more time for amendments. And so it was pushed out of committee. Uh, since it got out of committee, literally there are people lining up at my door uh, wanting to talk about, you know, amendments and things that they don't like, the things that they do like, uh, things that they want to bring. And so it's, we're really kind of in a situation right now, if we bring that to the floor, we'll probably have north of 30 amendments. It could take hours upon hours to get through that. And, and literally this next week we have four days left, and those four days are – kind of geared towards conference committees. So the conference committee is a committee. When we have a bill that passes both sides of the House, uh, they, they differ in some manner. They go to conference to have the differences ironed out. 
passed back out of conference committee and then and then voted on both in both chambers. That's really what we'll be doing Tuesday through Friday of this next, next week. And so the possibility of of that actually having the time to be able to to go through all of the different uh, um, uh, interest groups and get agreement is going to be pretty difficult. Uh, it hasn't been even touched in the Senate. They haven't even looked at it. And so it, it makes it very tough. But, you know, we work on a biennium, uh, Andy. Our, our, our session is a biennium. It's a two-year session. And so whatever we don't finish now, it's still alive for next year. Sure. Next year when we come back, I think that we could have some, some very productive time during the summer uh, getting some folks together and, and hammering out their differences and hopefully come back and have something that we could do uh, towards the earlier part of the session to give it time to get through the whole thing instead of at the very end. Whenever you do something at the very end of session, it's hard to make it through both sides and get it done. Well, and it's hard to do it right with the right piece of legislation with the right amendments and stuff. So it's not dead, but it sounds like it may just carry over to the next no. session when you have more time to get stuff done. Which, again, for all the advocates for that industry, I mean... I know they were probably excited to see this move forward and go further than it really ever has been in the state legislature so far, but it's not dead. They just have to kind of wait another year to make this happen. Yeah, and I, I think it'll. I really think it'll give time for those those special interests to come together and get type of an agreement. There's a lot of people uh, that want to see it move, but there's many many things in that bill that. Uh, the advocates for marijuana don't like, yeah. and so it, it's it's still got some work to do. But it, it's it's we got another year to do it. So yeah. I think that we'll continue to move forward and see what happens. Very good. I love it. Let's shift gears to the budget and the economy. We just heard the news this week that you know things were doing well, tax receipts are coming in nicely. You know we're not going to have too much of a shortfall, though. We were sitting at like eleven or twelve million dollars for the next year that you guys have already kind of you know, tried to adjust. But, I mean, then we see the news at like $360, $380 million shortfall uh, from race, uh, tax receipts and tax revenue coming in. Do, has that complicated the discussion? I know we were talking about actual, like, budget cuts and tax cuts, which blows my mind that we are actually being able to do this, a 2% yeah. across-the-board cut for the spending, which is insane the fact that we're actually talking about tax cuts i love it but it's a bit of a shocker like is this complicating anything or are we still on track here well i would say we're still on track uh, so there's two things that happened on the last two days number one senate bill 50 passed which was the tax cut uh, so basically it it brought it brought in the the ability to decouple from the federal tax system a lot of people can't itemize deductions because they've got too big of a, a deduction on the federal, a small one on the state. So if you can't uh, itemize on the federal, you can't itemize on the state. So we're, we're decoupled from that. That's where you come up with that $284 million in tax cuts, um, which is a great thing. Uh, finally, we might get a chance to get that. But then uh, we had our budget uh, debate on Tuesday, the last day we met, and and the budget was, you know, the debate was going just fine. And then one of our Democrat members here in Wichita, Henry Helgerson, who is probably one of the most fiscally conservative, and it's kind of, it's kind of interesting to think that a Democrat is one of the most fiscally conservative people in the legislature, but he truly is. Wow. Um, towards the end of the debate, he brought an amendment to cut 2% across the board. Um, 
and, and, and that included schools. I mean, two percent across the board. Whoa. And we jumped on it. Uh, the, the 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 Republicans immediately jumped on it and said, hey, "We want that." And so that that amendment went on. Uh, so the budget certainly has uh, been trimmed down a lot, which would certainly help pay for the tax cuts. Um, so that's a good thing. Now it's going to go to conference. Uh, the, the Senate's passed the budget bill. We've passed the budget bill. It's going to go to conference. They're going to work out the differences. I just hope that that 2% tax cut stays in through conference uh, because truly it's very difficult to cut budgets, and this year in the House we have cut the budget. Yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough to see those cuts. But, I mean, the fact that the Democrat, which i got to give him credit, and he was my former state rep before I moved and, and lived in the Wichita area, so i got to give him props for that, for presenting this bill. Did they expect it to actually go as far as it is right now? No. In fact, I think uh, Henry, uh, after he made his amendment and, and went and sat down, I think he was astonished that it passed. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he thought it would pass. I think maybe it was one of those things where he wished and he hoped, and it did. So um, wow. thanks, Henry, for uh, bringing the amendment, and thanks to all the Republicans for jumping on. He was probably the only Democrat that voted for it. Sure. Uh, the rest of it was all Republicans that voted for it, and uh, so it was it was it was actually quite a uh, quite a sight to see to actually be able to cut uh, the budget and and get a little bit of fiscal responsibility in there on the budget. Well, you can say that it's a bipartisan bill because the Democrat voted for it, so that's good news. The big question is, though, is that once it gets through the chambers, it gets through both chambers, if it does, and it goes to the governor's desk, you know she's going to veto it because it touches the precious schools. So do we have enough votes to override that veto once we get to that point? Well, that's the tough part. So uh, that that budget passed out of the House uh, with 71 votes, uh, 71 for, 52 against. Uh, we have to have 84 to override the governor, uh, so it's going to be tough. It's going to be a difficult uh, uh, thing to get 84 on that. Um, but you know, there's a there's there's some give and take. Uh, so on 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 budget, she gets the line item. She's not she doesn't she doesn't veto a whole budget bill. She gets line item veto authority. So got to think that she will line item that uh, piece of the budget and. I would imagine we will come back and try to override that uh, veto if we've got the votes. You know, we'll we'll just have to wait and see how it goes and and how people are reacting at that time. As you know, our Republican caucuses is it's a big tent has a lot of different people in it, yeah. and keeping eighty four together sometimes is one of the most difficult things to do. Yeah, that's very true. We got just about a minute, forty five seconds left before we have to take our hard bottom of the hour break. But anything else to keep an eye on over this next week for the last four days there and in the big recess uh, that you guys are trying to work on to kind of wrap things up for the session? You know, I think uh, I think the tax bills are the biggest thing. Uh, watching the tax bills, watching the budget bills. Um, there's there's just so many things that have passed both sides that are actually in conference now, and. For us, we have to really watch how they get bundled together into different pieces of legislation and make sure we know what uh, what's coming out. So our our teams are really watching that conference committee process really close, so we we know what's going to happen. Um, and we just got to keep some 
fiscal responsibility and not allow the budget to get carried away. So uh, we'll be watching that budget very, very close as it comes through conference. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch that process. And it's been an interesting year so far. The fact that, you know, we're addressing some really big, interesting major issues with the sports gambling, with the medical marijuana, with the budget, with uh, the schooling, with the pandemic, and, and kind of tightening the lid on that emergency declaration. It's been I say overall a relatively successful session. So I love it. Dan Hawkins, House Majority Leader, District Number One Hundred. Dan, it's always good to talk to you, my friend. Happy Easter to you and the family. We got to get you back on again here real soon. Thank you, Andy, and have a happy Easter. Happy Easter to you. Always appreciate that very much. All right, we got some calls on the line. You've been waiting for a while. Don't hang up. We'll get to you as soon as we come back from the bottom of the hour. So we'll take some phone calls. Plus, we'll play our interview with Congressman Tracy Mann from the Big First District on the western part of the state. Big last half hour of the program here on Candace Talk for the Big Talker KQAM. Andy Hoosier. This is Candace Talk. I'm Andy Hoosier. Happy Saturday to you. Thanks for hanging out with us today on a Saturday, trying to get you up and moving for the weekend as it's an Easter weekend, Easter holiday. So happy Easter to you and the family. If you're traveling, seeing family and friends, or just kind of hunkering down and staying in, whatever your plans are, I salute you and happy Easter to you. Thanks again to Dan Hawkins, House Majority Leader. Love having him on the program as always. Always some great information. We love having access to what's going on in Topeka. And we appreciate him very much with all the fights that they are doing. I think it's been overall a very successful legislative session this year. Been kind of fun to watch. And it hasn't been quite as frustrating as some of the other ones over the past few years. And that marijuana one, I know a lot of people have been very interested in that one. And uh, we'll get there. Uh, get there. I mean, it sounds like they're going to continue that on next year and have a um, have the proper discussion with the bill to make it be done right. Instead of just like ramming it through like so many other states have done. So doing it the right way. We'll see what comes out of that one. All right, open lines to you at 316-721-8255, 316-721-TALK, all presented by Phil's Coins here, 9344 West Central Avenue. Buying, selling, and trading with honesty and integrity. It's Phil's Coins, open until 2.30 this afternoon. Also online at philscoins.com. Open lines to you, so let's take some phone calls, shall we? Line number one. Good morning, who's this? Hello. Going once, going twice. All right, give us a call back. We want to hear from you uh, here on the program. Uh, we'll take this time, though. We'll go ahead and t- play our interview. I sat down with Congressman Tracy Mann from the 1st District out on the western half of Kansas just a couple of days ago as he's the new freshman congressman from that area after Roger Marshall stepped up. Oh, by the way, speaking of, I'm excited. Next Saturday, you're not going to want to miss the program, we have the show of senators as we have both Senator Roger Marshall and Senator Jerry Moran coming on the program, and we'll we'll play the interviews with both of them. Now, the interview with Congressman uh, Jerry Moran, I did not do that one. It was our partner and our affiliate out in western Kansas at KIUL out there, our program director and morning show host there. He sat down with Jerry Moran. Jerry Moran, just to throw this little tidbit out there at you, he has not come on my program with me in the entire seven, eight years that I've actually had this program. <laughs> he has not come on the show with me. We've reached out to him many a times, and we've tried to talk to him many times. He has never come on the program with me and actually chatted with me. So we'll play that interview from our partners out at KIUL and our Western affiliates 
And our sister station out there at KIUL will play that interview with Jerry Moran. I did, however, sit down, and this is the second or third interview we've done with Roger Marshall as a freshman senator. So we appreciate him and love him very much on the fact that he's actually willing to come on and talk about issues with me. And by the way, we don't script them and uh, we don't like try to pre-plan them. It's just this is what I'd like to ask him. And boom, okay. And they're good, and they come right on. So we'll play the interviews with both of our U.S. senators from the state of Kansas, and we'll do that next week here on Candace Talk. Let's take a phone call real quick before we play that interview with Tracy Mann. Line number one, good morning, who's this? Bart. Hey, Brown. Bart. Yeah, Bart, how are you? Hey, just had a comment on the mask. You bet. Um, you know, if people feel safer wearing the masks, they should be allowed to, but the businesses, yeah. if they want their patronage, they're really going to have a hard uh, battle to fight for making people wear masks. Because personally, if there's a mask mandate, I'll go somewhere else. So, yeah. I mean, if, if people are, are afraid of it, why can't they just stay home? And then people that aren't afraid live their life as they normally would. I'm right there with you. I mean, the small businesses in the community have had a tough enough time over the last year already. I don't want them to already marginalize and limit the amount of people that are coming in by saying you must wear a mask to walk into our business. They have the right to do so, but I really don't encourage local business to do that because like you and I, I I don't want to wear a mask. I don't need to wear a mask. I'm not going to wear a mask. And if you force me to do so, then I'm going to go. I've already done that with a it was more of a large box store national chain that i walked in they said you need to wear a mask and i said all right i'll go to your competitor and go there because they don't force me to do so oh absolutely i've done the same thing if i see the mask mandate i'll leave unless it's something i have to do or if i think i'm going to cause that employee at that business trouble yeah i will put a mask on just just to make it um so that employee because if some some business owners are forcing employees to uh you know, make sure that someone that comes in that has to be wearing a mask. So sure. I don't want to make a, a confrontation with that employee because right. I can always just turn around and walk out. But I don't want to uh, jeopardize that person's job. Sure. And at a condition like that, I will wear a mask for that. But there have been plenty of businesses I walk in. They say, hey, where's your mask? Or, are you going to wear a mask? And I'll turn around and say, no, nope. I'll, I'll walk right out. I'll just take my money somewhere else. Yeah, no, and that's the choice that we have, and that's why I love freedom. I love that choice because that's the way it should have been this entire time instead of forcing everyone to do so. When it comes to the vaccine, I mean, are, are you planning on getting the vaccine? Right now the health department's frustrated because they're expecting no more than maybe 50% of the population around here to actually get it. Uh, absolutely not. I had COVID. I was tested on November 2nd. They told me I had it. I said, okay, what do I do? They said nothing. Go home and quarantine. My wife was with me side by side. She never got it. Wow. And my symptoms were I couldn't smell, I couldn't taste for a week, and I could sleep for 10 hours at the drop of a hat. Now, my blood type is A positive, and they're saying it has to do with your blood type. And we've known other people that have got it and got deathly ill from it. So I'm kind of, you know, as far as the vaccine, if it makes you feel better to get the vaccine, yeah. okay, get it. But I think it should be a personal choice as far as the passport. Absolutely not. Uh, so it, it's kind of a bad deal there. I mean, it, to me, it's just more how to dissolve our rights in America and make people submit to the authoritarian rule that we have right now. Just like our leadership right now, in, in my personal opinion, we're, the strings are being pulled by China. Sure. So we lost our freedom. And Joe, unfortunately... The poor man, it's elder abuse because he cannot keep his faculties about him. And if you can only talk for 10 minutes without running off into the weeds and not even know where you're at and completely uh, lose your thought train, 
do you really want someone like that in Washington having that nuclear football? Uh, I don't think so. That's and the I think of the China's world. right there. Oh, China's right there saying, yeah, that's exactly what they want. That's so, crazy. Yeah, it, it, it's bad. It is bad. Bar, I appreciate that. Happy Easter to you and the family, my friend. I appreciate the phone call very much. And the battle's just continuing. The battle's just starting right now because now that we're starting to open up, as you mentioned, now we're going to see the, 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 the attempt for vaccination cards and we're going to see the vaccination passports and you can't get on a plane and you can't go to certain public events and you can't go to baseball games and you can't go to certain things unless you have this vaccine. And it's going to be a battle of what are you willing to sacrifice for a while to fight that fight because you don't want to inject that into your body. Or are you willing to just do it? Or, you know, do we say, uh-uh, that's not acceptable and we're not going to allow that to actually happen? So, Bart, I appreciate that very much. Let's go back to the phones here. Line number two. Good morning. Here's this. Scott. Scott, what's going on, sir? How are we doing? Well, uh, they passed a $1 trillion whatever uh, amount of money, $1 trillion, and I'm saying that I think you could give everybody a million dollars in the United States, so I think it's only uh, 300 million people here. So I'm kind of wondering where is the rest of the money going? <laughs> and then the other thing about it is that as far as these masks go, I mean, viruses are too small for masks to stop them. So if you, if you can breathe through a mask, then a, then a virus can get through a mask. Yes, which is why they did not recommend them at the beginning of this pandemic because they said it doesn't do any good. The cloth is not tight enough to stop a virus. You're going to get it on your hands, and then you're going to rub your nose and face when you put it on and off, so it's not going to worry. And, oh, by the way, because your eyes are moist, then the virus can actually get through your eyes as well, so masks literally don't do anything for you. Yeah, and like I said, with the trillion dollars, they need to have the state or, or actually the U.S. senators of, of Kansas need to investigate where the trillion dollars is going to because it's not going to the people, that's for sure. Well, what they're doing is they're spending on their pet projects all over the nation on what they actually want to spend on that, you know, different museums or different infrastructure projects. It's also going into bailout. What it does is it normalizes redistribution of wealth by state. If a state completely shut down during the entire pandemic, they shut everything down and they're now bankrupt with a state because they didn't have any economic generation going on at that time. We are now using money from states that didn't do that and are doing well. And we're taking that money and then just giving it to the other states and saying, here's your bailout money, do with it as you will. And we're normalizing redistribution at the statewide level with this bill. That's what that's where the majority of the money's going. Well, they're not protecting the border with any of the money, it looks like. Of course me. not. No, of course not. Yeah, they should be. But you're right. We're absolutely not because they want to – they just don't want that. That's oh, Come on. I mean, we just need to have a 1,000% capacity at the uh, <laughs> at each one of those venues down there at the border. Scott, I appreciate it. we got to take a break here. But uh, happy Easter to you and the family, my friend, and I appreciate that very much. Uh, let's go ahead and play this interview. Congressman Tracy Mann from the 1st District. We sat down with him to talk about the bill with immigration at the border. We talked about the COVID pandemic and the bills on COVID relief. We talked about gun control that's going on in D.C. and some of the helplessness that the Republicans feel at the federal level in the House of Representatives. This is Congressman Tracy Mann from the 1st District of Kansas. Congressman, how are you, my friend? Uh, I'm doing well. Thanks for uh, having me on. More than that, thanks for what you're doing with this show. It's really important uh, to the state and to the country. So appreciate your, your efforts, Andy. Well, we appreciate what you do. I mean, it's a tough battle, especially in the House of Representatives. Uh, before we get into some of the detailed bills, I can only imagine what you guys are going through right now because the Democrats seem to just go 
all out and just try and push whatever they want to. And they can get away with it right now because of the majority that they have. But just getting settling in as a freshman congressman, fighting this battle against Nancy Pelosi and the crazy radical Democrats. I mean, how has the environment been up in D.C. so far? Yeah, you know, it's ultra partisan. There are efforts um, underway to fundamentally change the country. Uh, into ways that I don't want for our kids and grandkids. We are pushing back. Uh, elections have consequences, and right now, uh, the Republicans, the Democrats, are in control of the House by um, five to seven votes. Uh, we're pushing hard. We've got to win back the House here in two years. In the meantime, you know, things are unfortunately passing the House. Um, they are, are not getting through the Senate because of the filibuster rules, other than the, the big spending bill that, that occurred um, earlier this month. But, uh, but you know, now it's all hands on deck to uh, to make sure the country doesn't change in ways that we don't want it to. Well, it's frustrating. I mean, it's such a narrow margin in the Senate that they're kind of our last, uh, I mean, I guess, last line of defense. Because with the Democrats running the House, with Joe Biden running the presidency, I mean, he's just signing whatever the heck he wants to. Which, I, I mean, what frustrated me was the first couple of weeks of his administration, they didn't even give you guys in Congress the opportunity to work on legislation. Because he was just practicing signing his name on 50 different executive orders. Well, that's right. I realized that the first few days that, that President Biden and, and at his inauguration, you know, he talked about wanting to be bipartisan, <laughs> um, you know, all these things. And then immediately the first few days in office, he issued more executive orders than the last 10 presidents combined, wow. um, you know, in their first few days. So very concerning. I actually introduced legislation called the Man Act, which stands for Making Action Necessary Now. Um, basically say, look, before an executive order can go into effect, there has to be a 30-day waiting period. Um, so there's time for Congress and the public to comment. And then there needs to be a look back um, six months after and annually thereafter on what were the impacts of the executive orders. We can't in Congress stop executive orders, but clearly it's an attempt to bypass Congress, and we can do some things to slow it down, and that's exactly what I'm working to do. I love that idea, especially, I mean, they want to put waiting periods on purchasing a firearm. Maybe we should put in a waiting period for them to implement their agenda. What do you think? Well, yeah, you know, and these are things that Americans, by and large, don't want. Um, These are things that are being done um, so quickly without any input. There are a lot of consequences I don't like. There's also a lot of unintended consequences, and it just makes common sense um, to include Congress. That's why we have three you know, separate branches. Um, the founding fathers never intended for the president to bypass Congress, and that's what we're seeing happen right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. There's so many bills and so many things going on in D.C. that I want to talk to you about. Uh, but let's start going through some of these that I know that you're involved with directly with, especially the Security First Act. I, I've been hearing some information about this one, but there's concern about security in America right now. I know you've been talking about this bill. Uh, explain what the Security First Act is and what it could do. Well, the um, Security First Act specifically uh, impacts immigration, and it would allow the DHS to procure more technology and equipment, including, you know, like communications equipment, sensors, drone technology, those kind of things at the border wall. Mm. Um, It also require the DHS to report on hiring practices for any Border Patrol uh, and designated um, drug narco-trafficking organizations as terrorist organizations, basically really equipping um, the good men and women that are at the border with the equipment, the technology, what they need uh, to decrease this illegal immigration that we are now seeing happening and really this crisis crisis that we're seeing at the border. 
It's desperately needed. I mean, we just heard President Joe Biden give his very first press conference, and essentially he just said, well, anybody that comes up to the border, we're just not going to turn you away because that's the inhumane thing to do, and Donald Trump's the only evil jerk that actually did that, but we're just going to try and figure out a way to handle all this, and uh, it's just getting worse as we go along as caravans continue to come up to the border. We have to do something about this. Well, you you know, the Biden administration has has signaled and said they're not going to enforce our laws, and when we are not a country of law and order. Um, people get hurt, and it's human heartbreak what's happening at the border. We have, you know, and many times people are getting taken advantage of on the other side as they're trying to get through where they're told, you know, pay this coyote this much money, uh, and they'll get smuggled across the border. But we've got to be a country of law and order. So this all occurs because we've never secured the border. Yeah. Uh, we never got uh, the wall built. And so because of that, there is a way that people can come to the country illegally. I am for legal immigration, but we've got to be a country of law and order. And I strongly oppose illegal immigration, and we have to secure the border. Oh, absolutely. I mean, what bothered me, though, especially during the press conference, he had mentioned that Trump had cut the funding to these countries to make their country better so they didn't need to leave their country as a, and flee for, as a refugee. The problem is, though, we had those programs in for years and it never fixed anything, and yet we still had an illegal immigration problem. And now he wants to re-implement them, put Kamala Harris as vice president into that charge uh, to head up and front those initiatives, but yet all we're doing is just giving them money to a nation that's not fixing the problems with the gangs or with the cartels or with the corruption within their government, and it's not solving anything, so we're spending money on these nations, but yet they're still coming to the border because they still have an issue. Uh, I I don't know why we would want to send money back down to them. We we have a crisis, Andy, at our southern border at the end of March that was not occurring at the end of December. What's changed is the administration and, yeah. and their policy, and that's just clear as day. That's a fact. Um, we've got to secure the border. We've got to enforce our laws, and then we've got to figure out how we have a legal working immigration system. Yeah, I'm into that. We're talking with Congressman Tracy Mann from the 1st Congressional District of the great state of Kansas here. Let's talk about the Ag Committee for a second. I know you're involved with agriculture, obviously, Western Kansas a very big agriculture industry. Uh, have you seen or talk about some of the changes and some of the policies with the Department of Agriculture, some of the trade, uh, some of the tariffs, some of the stuff that's going on with ag right now that may be affecting uh, the ag industry? Sure. You know, a lot of produce for agriculture. It's a delight to get to be on the House Ag Committee. I grew up on a farm and, and feed yard, and that's what our family's always done. That's the biggest driver of the economy in Kansas and in my district. Um, you know, a- trade is a big deal, and you mentioned that. Um, it's a big deal for agriculture right now. Uh, you know, President Trump stood up to China, um, you know, that's taken advantage of us for far too long. We have the phase one trade deal that's in place. I think it's important for people to remember that that agreement was signed last January 15th, went into effect February 15th. It was a two-year agreement, which means it expires here uh, in a little less than 11 months. So we need to, one, be holding China accountable to make sure that they are meeting their obligations under the phase one trade deal, which has been good for agriculture. And two, we need to be talking about what's next. Uh, prices of commodities definitely have, have risen um, throughout you know, agriculture as China has, has met their obligations or, or close to it. And, and that's a good thing for our producers, farmers, and ranchers. Boy, it's, I'm, I'm optimistic, but yet cautiously optimistic about how this year is going to go for some of the ag and some of the trade. Just trade in general, even outside of the ag industry, just with some of the trade policies that we're trying to change. And as you mentioned, China, China's kind of our big one. The nice thing under the Trump administration over the last few years was that we kind of diversified trade in the nation. Do you still see that happening uh, over the next couple of years under Biden, or are we going to kind of get re-centralized back to just trading primarily with China again? 
Um, uh, um, to be seen, I'm optimistic. I'll tell you, you know, last year alone, people don't give President Trump credit for this, but we reworked our trade relationship, modernized it, have it in place for the future for Mexico and for Canada, two very big trading partners, um, had the phase one trade deal with China. We also updated our agreement with Japan. So, you know, we have redone, improved, and have in place, um, you know, about by, by volume, about 50% of our trade agreements. That's good. But we also need to be more proactive in thinking about who do we want our trading partners to be three years, five years, 10 years. Uh, I think we can become too beholden to China. We need to diversify that and make sure that we're building relationships today with the countries that we want to be our trading partners years from now. Yeah, absolutely. Let's talk about some of the stuff you guys are working on now and into the next few months. I know we got just a few minutes left here with Congressman Tracy Mann from the 1st District in Kansas. We just passed the $1.9 trillion COVID-19 uh, package, uh, which is ridiculous. That put our deficit for the first six months of our federal budget to $3 trillion. It shattered a record for our deficit in the first six months of a fiscal year at the federal level. Now we're talking about literally doubling that, and Joe Biden's talking about a now $3 trillion economic stimulus package. Where does this end, and what the heck, what's going on financially it's, it's in, in government? Criminal, it's criminal what we're doing to our kids and grandkids. To your point, we are, our debt is almost $30 trillion. This $1.9 trillion bill that just – and I – you know strongly opposed it, voted against it four or five times in all its iterations. Unfortunately, it did pass the House barely, passed the Senate and got signed into law. But understand that $1.9 trillion, only 9% goes to actual COVID health relief. The other 91%, you know, it's money that we don't have spending on priorities that should not be our priorities. Now they're talking about this, you know, the, the infrastructure bill could be several trillion dollars Y'all, we are we are in debt up to our eyeballs. Uh, we've got to think about the future of this country and what our financial responsibilities are. Where did a lot of this money go? I, I had heard the same thing that it. I mean, so little of it actually went to the people or went to COVID relief. But I mean, it went to schools, but yet we didn't mandate schools to actually open. It went towards environmental things, which I don't didn't realize that that was actually COVID relief. It went to museums. I saw money went to Native American language preservation, which is cool. But why would we spend that when we're trying to get the economy going? after COVID and actually trying to solve COVID. Uh, now this new $3 trillion package, I don't even know what's in it, but it sounds like they just want to spend a whole bunch on their just their little pet projects. No, that's right. And a lot of the $1.9 um, trillion, you know, um, billions of dollars went to bailing out um, blue states and blue cities that made poor and also pensions that were underwater that made poor decisions. Um, we should not be sending Kansas tax or we should not be sending state dollars um, to, to bail out other states that have made poor financial decisions. So yeah, there's a lot of, of Democrat pet projects, a lot of money we don't have, like I said, spending on priorities that should not be our priority right now. Yeah, it's unfortunate. And I don't know how to stop some of this, but I mean, is this the 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 introduction, I guess, for redistribution? As you mentioned, if we're bailing out blue states during the shutdown because they're so bankrupt when other states that didn't shut down are doing relatively well, or at least surviving right now, is this the introduction for the redistribution that we're going to see as we go into budget talks by this fall? It's very concerning to me. And it also, you know, we're, we are rewarding bad behavior and punishing good behavior. States that have had to tighten their belt, made good decisions, had rainy day funds, you know, that they're not getting the resources like the states that did not. Yeah. And horrible, horrible policy, horrible direction, horrible spending priorities for the country. It drives me nuts. Congressman Tracy, man, last question before we let you go. But anything else going on in D.C. right now? I know last week you guys uh, ended up unfortunately passing some of the gun restriction rights uh, and gun bills that went over to the Senate right now. That's being discussed over on that front. But what else is going on in the in the House that we should be aware of? 
Well, well um, infrastructure is going to be coming up next. The House is not meeting for um, – not meet this week. It's not going to meet the next couple of weeks. We'll see what the spring has um, on the gun bills. You know, I voted against them. They will do little to prevent, you know, criminals from accessing firearms, and that's really where the focus needs to be. So I am very concerned about the future of our Second Amendment and how that might be diminished. Yeah, I'm really concerned that that's going to go through. But uh, luckily, a lot of these states doing the nullification process and doing maybe Second Amendment sanctuary laws or something like that is kind of where we need to focus a lot of our attention. Congressman Tracy Mann, it's the first district for the great state of Kansas. It's your great friend. I, I appreciate what you do. I love having you up in D.C. Keep up the fight. And let's do this again real soon. Sounds good. Thanks, Andy, again for what you do. And, and we got to keep praying for the future of the country while we believe that our best days are yet ahead. But those are going to occur with hard work on all of our parts. There it is, Congressman Tracy Mann from the 1st District in Kansas. Always appreciate him coming on the program. That does it for us today. Boy, did that fly right on by. Joe Pags with the weekend coming up here on KQAM right around the corner after the top of the hour news. Make sure to stay tuned in next week as we have the week of senators, Senator Jerry Moran, Senator Roger Marshall, both going to be on the program next week after the Easter holiday. Make sure to join us at 4 p.m. weekdays for the broadcast of The Voice of Reason nationally right here on KQAM as well. Also, make sure to stay tuned in to our sister station, KGSO, this weekend, the final four for your NCAA basketball tournament coming up starting at 2.30 over on 1410 KGSO. Until then, everybody, happy Easter. I'm Andy Hoosier.